My mama told me something when I was growing up that has forever changed my life. She played the piano at our little church at 3rd and Pine Street for 37 years. She tried to teach me to play the piano, <laughs> but I wasn't very good. She would teach me the names of the notes, what a major key is, what a minor key is. She tried to teach me musical theory, but I was just bored. Then, one day, she told me that the best news in the world is found by playing a simple scale on the piano. I had no idea what she meant, so she told me to play an eight-note scale. So I did. I said, how is that good news? And she said I played it incorrectly and that I needed to play it the other way. So I did. Again, I said, how is that good news? And she said, I played it the right way, but I needed to add the pauses. The pauses? She said, the pauses. Add them on the first, second, fourth, sixth, seventh, and last note. Now, I was frustrated and said, how can eight notes with random pauses be the best news in the world? Then I got up, walked away, and went outside. Frankly, I didn't care what she was talking about. I didn't like playing the piano anyway. Well, years later, my mama got sick and passed away. As I was thinking about her, I remembered what she told me about the piano. Not only that, I still remember the notes she told me to pause. The first, second, fourth, sixth, seventh, and last note. So I sat down at her piano and played the scale with the pauses. And that's when I realized the good news she was talking about. Amen. Let's stand up to our feet and sing that very song, Joy to the World. One.
take a minute to greet the people around you, wish them a Merry Christmas, and then find yourself a seat. Ladies and gentlemen, would you please thank the Walsh family and welcome them. They're going to light our Advent candle. Walshes, would you please take it away? Let's give them a welcome on Christmas Eve, will you? Over the past four Sundays, we have lit the first four candles, the Prophecy Candle, the Bethlehem Candle, the Angel's Candle, and the Shepherd's Candle. Tonight, the eve of the Lord's birth, we light the central candle, the Christ Candle. From the beginning of the world, God moved soldiers, politicians, priests, and even common men and women as he unfolded his magnificent plan. Finally, the stage was set. When the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman. Mary's little baby lay in a filthy wooden trough, helpless and needing his humanity. Yet he is the one who created mankind. The heavens and even the very wood from which his trough was built. Then he performed the greatest miracle of them all. Emmanuel, God with us. God, one of us. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We did not understand at the time, but heaven exploded with joy, and suddenly there appeared with an angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men. The first the first Christmas gift was Jesus, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So today we celebrate a miracle, the joy and gift of Christ. Let us pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for coming into this world for us. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. Amen. Christmas hymn, it came upon the midnight clear. It came upon the midnight clear, that glorious song of old. From angels bending near the earth to touch their hearts of gold. Peace
Christmas Eve, we've been thinking about this tonight and tomorrow morning since what? Last summer, right? Catalogs in August, Yuletide decorations for sale at Costco on Labor Day weekend, and hanging in every mall by November 1st. Great Thursday, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Frosty and Rudolph and the Grinch. Macy's Parade and It's a Wonderful Life, The Nutcracker, and upteen versions of The Christmas Carol. To tell you the truth, I don't mind any of this. I like seeing beautiful lights everywhere. I enjoy singing about a silent night and a midnight clear. I don't seem to get tired of watching Scrooge's repentance or George Bailey's discovery that his life was worth living. When I see the big guy in the red suit, I think about the generosity of a certain Nicholas who lived in the fourth century and who was indeed a saint. But none of these good things hold a candle to what Christmas is really about. An invasion of heaven into earth. An invasion of light into darkness. An invasion of the spiritual into the physical. An invasion of God into human hearts. And there's no celebration in the world that can come close to capturing how amazing that invasion was and is. God invaded this planet. There are well over a hundred billion galaxies in the universe and hundreds of billions or even trillions of stars in each galaxy. And so the number of stars and planets out there is beyond our comprehension. And so is that invasion. Of all the planets in all of the galaxies, he chose to invade this one. The master, the creator, the father of heavenly lights, the king of the universe, for whatever reason, is deeply in love with those who inhabit this planet. And despite our rebellion against him, our ignoring him, our willingness to worship virtually anything but him, he did the unthinkable. The high prince of heaven invaded our world And he chose to do so through a teenage girl's womb. Who would have ever imagined this? He had actually planned this event for some time, making promises and giving prophecies pointing toward two unsuspecting people in a speck on the map known as Nazareth. Takes away our sin 
know much about Joseph other than he turned out to be a faithful husband to Mary, an earthly father, to the very human Jesus. Joseph was probably aware of his connection to the lineage of Abraham, the one with whom God had originally made his covenant. But could Joseph have any idea how the God he loved was about to invade his otherwise orderly life? Could he have possibly imagined how God would invade his engagement to Mary and force him to live by uncommon faith? And Mary, simply beautiful, caught up in wedding plans, how could she know that she, a teenager from Nazareth, and her fiancé Joseph would be given one of the greatest tasks in all of human history, to raise the Son of God? How could she know that God was going to invade her life, that her body would bear the one hope for this entire planet? Could you tell by looking at her? What was it that God saw? Was there something special about her? Or was what it makes so special about her the fact um, that she was just like you and me? When God decided to bring Mary up to speed on his plans, he sent an angel to deliver the news. And this wasn't one of those cute little naked babies with wings that you see in the Baroque paintings. This was a mighty messenger of God, a warrior in his army, a citizen of heaven. That's not something any of us would be prepared for. It's not every day that an angel appears right above your dirty clothes hamper and tells you, fear not. And Mary, like I would have been, was afraid at first. But then she stopped and listened and trusted 
and responded to God and his amazing plan to enter the world. And just like that, God's plan was in motion. Mary, who was still a virgin, was suddenly pregnant with God's son. Imagine that. The author and sustainer of life, now sustained in life with a human umbilical cord. What was it like to endure the sideways glances and whispered slander, all the while growing the king of kings cell by cell inside your womb? I think it took all that Mary had and ever expected to have. It took another visit from an angel to convince Joseph that he too was a part of God's plan, that everything Mary said was the truth, that she and he should marry, even as it meant that scandal would hang over his family the rest of his life.
Mary and Joseph moved forward in faith with their marriage plans. And within a few short months, would be traveling to Bethlehem to register in the Roman census. Imagine the stress of packing up just weeks before Mary's due date and traveling 100 miles to comply with an edict from an emperor who was more than 10 times that distance away. Was this trip really necessary? Regardless, they loaded up a donkey with all they thought they might need, wondering whether Mary would have her baby on the side of the road on the way to Bethlehem. Riding a donkey isn't exactly a comfortable experience, and several days on a donkey can be a genuine ordeal. Now add to this fact that you're nine months pregnant, and a week's journey feels like the longest trip of your life. If Mary had to be away from her home during this time, it would have been nice if Joseph could have made reservations at a decent hotel where she could have her baby in some semblance of comfort. But by the time they got to Bethlehem, people were everywhere. And it seemed that every hotel Joseph checked had just given the last room away. I can't help but wonder if deep inside, Joseph is saying, okay, that's it. Invasion canceled. Unless someone opens up a sterile Messiah birthing suite right now, we're out of here. But Joseph didn't say that. Joseph wouldn't have known what sterile even meant. All he heard was, sorry, sold out, try next door. And with every failed attempt, Mary's eyes grew more intense. The baby was coming, and his arrival wouldn't wait for someone to cancel their reservation. Joseph had to do something. Finally, out of desperation, he asked if there was any place, a shack, a closet, a stable where he and his wife could get off their feet, escape from the cold, and have this baby. Finally, with reluctance, an innkeeper walked Mary and Joseph back to the barn where all the guests' animals were kept. Joseph instinctively tied up his donkey and waited to be led to the back room. It wouldn't take long for him to realize that this was the back room. And then they were left to themselves. This was it. And all the prophecies that Joseph had memorized, and all the words that the angel had said, and all the lessons that his father had taught him, there was no mention of this. None of them mentioned that the Messiah would have to share space with a stranger's donkey. None of them mentioned the oh-so-fresh smell of dung and hay. None of them mentioned that it would be this hard.
Before they were situated in their new accommodations, it all began. With the same pains that mothers have felt for thousands of years before and after, Jesus, the Son of God, was born. God had invaded our world in the form of a breathing, squinting, crying, nursing baby. Here is one of the greatest mysteries of the universe. The idea is downright shocking when you consider the whole thing. The one who existed before time itself, the one who spoke creation into existence, the one whose blood would ultimately give life to all, was utterly dependent on this first-time teenage mom. I can't help but think that Mary and Joseph were wondering at this point why so much had gone wrong. Had they misunderstood what they were told in Nazareth? But God brought them some unlikely reassurance, courtesy of angelic messengers, who just couldn't keep quiet, especially about this. Almost immediately, they filled the crisp, clear skies over a forgotten field, not far from where God's invasion had taken place, and offered a spectacular invitation to a bunch of shepherds who had never been invited to much of anything, let alone the single most important baby shower in the history of the world. The shepherds didn't need to be asked twice. They ran right to the place the angels had told them he would be. And there he was. It was unlike anything they might have expected. If they had been hoping and dreaming about the arrival of the Messiah, no doubt palaces and temples, processions and celebrations filled their imagination. But this? This was a normal baby in the arms of a couple working-class kids from Nazareth. Confounding all expectations, the Savior of the world lay vulnerable before them. Their response was immediate. While rabbis who had spent their lives preparing for this moment slept. While the innkeeper counted his receipts. While King Herod paced back and forth in his palace, a few sheep herders recognized their savior and fell to their knees and worshiped him. They worshiped baby Jesus. God had successfully invaded the hearts of some unsuspecting common laborers. And soon, others would follow. Simeon the priest, then Anna the prophetess, then a few astronomers, then a few fishermen, then a few prostitutes, then a few tax collectors, and so on and so on. God's invasion would continue. Every day, more and more people recognizing their Savior. Every day, more and more people missing him. Every day, people worshiping him with their whole lives. And every day, people looking to fill the hole in their lives with something other than him. Every Christmas, more and more people get it. Every Christmas, more and more people miss it. What about you? The invasion continues. God is still drawing unsuspecting people to a little manger in a back alley in Bethlehem and introducing them to the Savior of the world. Will you find him there? Will you let him invade your Christmas? Will you let him invade your life? I want to teach you a song called Light of Heaven.
Amen. Well, Merry Christmas to you all. This has been a wonderful evening, hasn't it? Well, tonight you may have noticed kind of a running theme over the last couple of weeks here at the church. We've been talking a lot about this Christmas invasion idea and so much so that you might be like, what, what are you talking about invasion? Really, the truth is, is this invasion is a little bit more than an invasion. It's actually more of a rescue mission. It's a rescue mission to us here on earth. That's what Jesus Christ was coming down to do. And my hope is, if you're here tonight, is that there would be nobody in this room that misses that invitation, that gets so close, so close that you can almost touch it, but misses it. You see, what happens, I've noticed, is over Christmas, that, that knock on your heart's door gets, it gets pretty loud. You know, you're around it a lot, you're exposed to a lot, but if you're not careful, it gets more and more quiet as we get back into the busyness of our routine. So our prayer and hope is that this season, this invitation, this invasion would actually break through to the hearts of people here even tonight. Our prayer and our, the thing that we're excited about is just how this, this invasion, this, this ripple effect, it's been going now for a couple thousand of years, for, for generation to generation, this light being passed on from one family to the next, from one friend to the next. And our prayer is that us as light bearers that we'd go into this next year, that we'd really see that call. You see it passed from one continent to the next, all the way here to Agora Hills, California. But there's that expectation, that light keeps on going. So one of the traditions that we have as a church, and my first time experiencing it, is the idea of these candles that you have. If you have those with you here now, we're going to be lighting those. And we're going to be passing that on, and it's to represent the idea of this message that was entrusted to us needs to be passed on. It needs to be, there needs to be an ongoing ripple effect. So we'll continue with our service doing that. to start with the people on the end of the aisle and you can pass it down the row.
really a beautiful picture of God's plan for the good news being spread. Isaiah 9, 6 says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This amazing news all started on a silent night in Bethlehem. Let's sing about that now. Zion's going to lead us, ready? One, two, three, four. Oh, come let us adore. 
this year we could be like the shepherds who saw your light in the sky and responded with shouts of praise and excitement and increased heart rates because we saw that our Savior was born. Lord, as we lift these candles high, as we say goodbye to Christmas this year and prepare for our big celebration tomorrow with family and friends and gifts, it's my sincere prayer, Lord, that we would take this light with us. Maybe for the first time, Lord, reveal yourself tonight. Reveal yourself in children's laughs and in fellowship, in good food. Most importantly, Lord, reveal yourself in our hearts. We leave this place filled knowing that that baby that was born is still with us. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Take a couple minutes to be good to one another on the way out. Be careful and blow out your candles. God bless you. Have a wonderful, merry Christmas. We'll see you on Sunday.